I hope you enjoy the beginning of this little intro. I don't usually do this, but I have a good friend. His name's Jorge and his wife, Nicole, that does this kind of music that I really enjoy. And they allow me to use it for some of my shows. And uh, if you're looking for him, go to the web, look up Jorge, J-O-R-G-E, and Nicole, and you'll really enjoy their albums. One subject I try to keep up with is all the plastics industry, and there's several reasons. One is overwhelming this whole world with plastic, period, that we need to think about. Of course, I also am so concerned about the amounts of plastic now in the oceans. It's amazing, folks. We now find nanoplastics in animals from the Arctic to the Antarctic from the seals and the polar bears in the north to the penguins in the south and everything in between. It's pretty persistent in the environment now. Find a clue. Linking the contamination of plastic containers used to keep food and other products fresh. A significant line of business for the Gulf Coast sprawling petrochemical industry, especially here in Texas along our Texas coast. Now, this is the reason I've tried to keep up with it. It's a little bit of a surprise to most people. It's, it's just never comes up. Both the Food and Drug Administration and the Environmental Protection Agency are studying the link between plastics and the PFAS contamination after the EPA scientists recently found that pesticides stored in plastic containers unexpectedly contained PFAS, even though no such chemicals were ever used in the manufacturing of the actual insecticide. More research is needed, but scientists have documented increased rates of cancer, birth defects, and organ failure, among other health risks, from one of the PFAS's chemicals that are found in these pesticide containers. Currently, they say that they don't know all the possible entry points for PFAS into the environment. A chemical engineer named Michael Wong, he's a professor at Rice University, mentioned, that's the big question right now. Where's it actually all coming from? We don't really know all the possible entry points for PFAS into our environment right now, said Michael S. Wong. He's a chemical engineer professor here at Rice University. That's really the biggest question right now. The government health inquiry presents a potentially serious risk to a U.S. industry that is already under scrutiny of the massive volumes of plastic waste, most of which is going unrecycled, frequently ending up in the oceans to break down and slowly poison marine life for long periods. Unfortunately for us, one of the centers of the industry is the U.S. Gulf Coast, right here along the Texas coast, as a matter of fact, where companies such as Exxon, Mobil, Dow Chemical, Chevron, Phillips 66, and others have invested billions of dollars to build and expand petrochemical plants to manufacture one thing, plastics, and export them around the world. I don't really like using uh, acronyms till I know what they are. So I'm going to give it a shot, and then you'll see why we continue calling these PFAS. Perfluoroalkyl and polyfluoroalkyl alkyl substances. There's your PFAS. Unfortunately, as part of the reason they're so persistent is this. 
They're used in the pizza boxes you bring your pizzas home in. They're used in virtually all the plastic water bottles. They're used in thousands of different cosmetics. They're really, really persistent if you ever have to use one in fire extinguishers. They've changed, Teflon's changed and some others, but the current nonstick cookware still has some PFASs in it. And finally, one of the first things it was actually invented for was to waterproof clothing and other cloths, such as tents and everything. So everywhere you turn around, you're getting exposed to it. The concern is fluorinating plastic changes its chemistry in such a way that potentially dangerous PFAS compounds are formed. Then they can leach into the products that they really were supposed to be protecting. These fluorinated services are then a potential release point for that PFAS. That means even if you're not deliberately adding PFAS to the product you're making, you may not be off the hook. It's an amazing but not surprising point of entry, especially when it comes in contact with us humans and even different animals. The FDA officials are now examining how commonly fluorinated plastics is used just to store our food. A study by scientists at the University of Toronto started back in 2011 reported that hundreds of millions of plastic containers are fluorinated each year to store products from food to cosmetics to industrial chemicals and again even to the clean drinking water we think we're getting when we buy bottled water. For a little history, PFAS chemicals were developed back in the 1940s to repel water, grease, and other liquids, eventually finding their way into products as we were talking about, from pizza boxes to fire extinguishers to waterproof clothing. And it does work in all these cases, but unfortunately, the old saying is, sometimes the cure is worse than the disease. In other words, if it does protect those products and do what it should do, but it's actually harming the environment and harming us, then you have to have a, a point where you decide the value versus the potential hazard. I kind of liken it to uh, the book Silent Spring. Yes, DDT worked, but its overall hazards to the environment, to the health of not just humans but animals, was far greater than its value as an insecticide, and of course, was eventually taken off the market in almost every place in the world. There's a few places still using it under, under really, really strict laws. And since I'm actually really from West Virginia, I'll bring this up. PFAS did not enter public awareness until you know, the, the early 2000s, when residents living around a West Virginia chemical plant operated by DuPont, DuPont to get in trouble a lot, joined a class action lawsuit alleging they were falling ill because the plant was dumping into their waterways a particularly dangerous, then learned to find out, PFAS chemical called PFOA. And folks, the PFOA was what Teflon had in it that was finally outlawed. Took 10 years to do that. While that litigation is ongoing, DuPont has already paid a 16 and a half million dollar settlement to the EPA, agreeing to stop production of PFOA, they said they would, by 2013. Other large manufacturers followed suit shortly thereafter, and by 2019, more than 180 countries around the world agreed to ban the manufacturing of PFOA and began phasing out other 
seminal chemicals, also known as PFOSs. Though the United States, unfortunately, is not one of them. Sometimes the United States amazes me by its own inaction. We didn't hear about it for a few years, then unfortunately, a few years ago, a little town in eastern Massachusetts started having extremely high levels of PFOAs and PFOSs in their water system. Well, it confounded the authorities for a while, but finally the contamination was eventually linked to a pesticide the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection was spraying to kill mosquitoes. When scientists at the EPA lab, which they they took tests over into uh, Maryland, examined unused fluorinated plastic containers, the ones that they were storing the pesticide in, they found PFOA along with another seven types of PFAS chemicals, dangerous chemicals, in the actual container. So even though they actually sort of found the source, they really didn't completely, because ironically, they continued testing, and the pesticide itself was actually contaminated before it went into the container with PFAS. So it's not just the containers, but evidently the manufacturer of the pesticide or insecticide itself some way created these PFOAs, and it's still a bit of a chemical mystery, but they have since, of course, changed the use of that pesticide around all the waterways in Massachusetts could go on forever. Let's kind of tie this up. The health effects of other PFA chemicals remain largely unknown, in large part because many of the chemicals themselves are hidden from even the scientists that are studying them due to confidentiality laws that aim to protect intellectual property and prevent companies from replicating their competitors' products. And well, my answer for that's a little different. They shouldn't be allowed to hide anything from us that is truly dangerous and they know it. Now, how do you prevent that? Then you change the law. So if someone steals your proprietary patented product of any kind, they'll be sued and shut down. So then we will know what's in each of those particular chemistries, even hard things like plastics and bottles. It's all kept a secret, a fracking Let's change the subject a minute. A lot of the chemicals used in fracking we're finding out are dangerous as can be, but for proprietary practices, you can't know what's in there till it's too late, till it's already in somebody's waterway. And that's just not right. So the law should be changed, and that's like so many things that we have to deal with, including, you know, they really, over the last four years, we really just busted the EPA's ability to protect us. We're building that back now. But the right thing there would have been the same thing. You do what's safest, and then you figure out how to keep it out of the hands, let's say, of your competitors or whatever. But you don't hide it. I mean, some of these chemistries are so complex that if you have them hidden, breaking it down to figure out exactly where the problem is, PFASs and PFOAs are exactly there. They were used from for 30 or 40 years before we were allowed or did figure out the potential dangers, not just, again, to us as humans, but when you find persistent plastics and penguins and polar bears at each end of the world and everywhere in between, 
That should have been studied years ago, and it was actually kind of protected because of these proprietary laws. So that's my rant on the end of it for the day. But yes, I don't use, and people know me, hardly ever, and I won't do it at all if I, if I get away with it. I don't use plastic water bottles. If you've got a good water source, folks, I live in the country, and you have it checked once in a while, make sure it doesn't have pesticides, herbicides from ranchers and farmers around you misusing them. Your water out of your tap's probably safer for you than anything you get in a plastic bottle. Buy yourself, uh, there's one uh, that's stainless steel or two that are really good water bottles you can carry with you. Not even just water, you can put your coffee, everything in them. They're totally inert. Yes, it's a little bit more trouble to take your own container with you. But over the years, you and your kids and everybody around you are going to be a lot safer if you're not taking low levels of plastics that are potentially bad for you in each time you drink a bottle of water. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.